0: It's the 23rd of July 2022. So, training our minds to develop samadhi. And this is making the mind firm and stable. And that's the meaning of samadhi, it's grounding the mind, making it stable. Because the nature of our minds is that (coughs) when they receive Any sense impression, such as the eyes see a form or the ears hearing sounds, the odors coming in through the nose, the tongue contacting taste, the body contacting tactile sensations, and uh, the dhamma aramanas entering into the heart. Then there's these external sense media, meeting with the internal sense basis. And here, with this contact, this is pasa arising. And then a sense of self comes up. There's vedana, there's feeling, and then craving, clinging, and the causes of suffering are present. So this is true as well, if that feeling, that vedana, is pleasant, because we attach to that, And that is also the cause for suffering to arise. So there is this delight, this delusion, uh, wanting to be or to have, wanting not to be, not to have, that's arising within the heart. So all throughout the day, whether we're in a monastery or outside of the monastery, then there is this pasa, this contact, And we take all of that personally. In the mind, it's not established in samadhi. And when that's the case, then it shakes, quivers every time it meets with these sensory experiences that enter into the heart. So we need to train our minds. So even though we may be lay people, living a lay life, having a lot of work to do, still we need to try to have mindfulness during the day. Try to really keep our mindfulness there in the present moment, so that our thinking and proliferation reduces. If we don't need to use our brains while we're working, we don't need to think, then we can stay with Buddha or Dhammo or Sankho. We can be chanting itipi so in order for our minds to reach peace. So we try to do that a lot have great mindfulness all throughout the day, to the best of our abilities. However, it's still normal for our minds that they'll go off and think. But we need to be aware of that, to have the mindfulness there, even of those thoughts. And we speak just what is necessary. If we have jobs that uh, involve selling things, Then we may need to talk a lot. But if we have occupations that don't require a lot of speaking, then we just speak a little. We try to um, reduce the amount of intake we have of information and news, because it's possible for us to know everything all over the world. And then our mind just gets sent out all the time, and it becomes chaotic. So if we receive any news through our communication devices, then we need to pull our minds back inside. And when our minds aren't getting sent out a lot, then they'll reach a state of peace. This inner calm will appear. We also try to be firm in the five precepts. And through that, we'll experience and settledness, there won't be this agitation. When we have the time and opportunity, then perhaps we can keep the eight precepts, maybe on Saturday or on Sunday, or maybe five precepts, oh, sorry, seven precepts. And so we don't eat in the evening, and these days this is becoming kind of a popular thing to do, to not eat in the evening, and they say that Through that, uh, the body can become stronger, we can lose some weight, and the illnesses uh, that we get uh, reduce. And also, not eating in the evening gives us time to chant and to meditate, more time than what we would normally have. So those people who keep these eight precepts, uh, they have a greater opportunity to practice than those who keep the five. But if someone with five precepts has more Bharami that they've already accumulated, and then it's possible they may see the dharma first. But this is talking about Bharami that we've already created in the past. If we're going to speak about what we're creating in this present moment, then those who keep the eight precepts, they have more time to train their minds. Some people have to spend a lot of time commuting and when we're traveling to work and traveling back from work we can put on a dharma talk and listen to that. But we should also be careful with this as well. We don't just focus solely on that dharma talk or on the chanting because if we do that then our mindfulness will be taken away from driving and that's dangerous. So we need to have our mindfulness there with driving our cars. We need to be cautious here. But what we do is we chant or we listen to a dharma talk in order to stop our mind from going thinking about all over the place. And when we uh, do this, then what we're doing is putting forth this effort. We're making our effort even and constant. And this is what Venerable Ajahn Chah taught, this very uh, lampa, is putting forth effort in an even and consistent manner. For those who have this energy and effort in the practice, um, some wake up at 4am or 3am, maybe going to sleep at 9.30 or 10pm, waking up early in the morning. And during that time, the weather is good, it's very peaceful and quiet, and it's a very good opportunity then to uh, bring our minds into samadhi. So if we practice um, like this, consistently, evenly, having generosity, something that we just do uh, normally, having kindness and compassion there, looking after our hearts using the five precepts as the boundaries for our actions and having this interest in listening to the Dhamma. By doing all of this, what we're doing is developing, we're making progress. And that which aids us in that development is being close to the wise, being close to the teachings of the Buddha, these Grubhajans, these great teachers, who in turn have received teachings from their own great teachers, these correct teachings, right teachings. So we listen to this and we train our minds with each day, refining them, polishing them. Having this interest in cultivating our minds and growing in dharma constantly, studying the Dhamma, and eventually, then, our minds will come to peace. Joy, happiness can appear within them. So when we keep a meditation object there within our minds, be it Buddha or the arising and ceasing of the breath, then the mind comes into peace. And this rapture arises. And there are five manifestations of rapture. And there can be a feeling of coolness. Also the hairs stand on end, we get goosebumps. And if that rapture is more profound, then tears can flow down our cheeks. Or we can get thrills running through the body. So this is what comes from peace of mind there's also a feeling of lightness within the body. Our hands disappear, our feet disappear. We shouldn't worry when this happens. But also when we come to sit in meditation, we shouldn't expect to feel like this. We shouldn't expect to gain samadhi. Because if we have those thoughts, then samadhi will disappear. So what we need to do is bring up the intention that now I'll sit, and if I experience peace, then I'll accept that. If there's no peace, I'll also accept that. So we let go and bring our minds to a place of equipoise in the middle, and then come and put our efforts into watching the breath come and go. And through this the body and mind become light. And it may feel like the body just disappears. And so we know that, we know that it's very, we feel at ease and comfortable here. Like there's no body at all, like we're just sitting in midair. And then the mind becomes empty and has a lot of happiness. And this is the happiness that arises from samadhi. There's vitaka, vichara, piti and sukha, this initial and sustained application of the mind, rapture and happiness that comes up. Even though it may not be in this state for a long time, still we gain an affinity with this samadhi. We know what it's like and we know the path to cultivating that and bringing our minds to that state. And when we do that more and more frequently, then our samadhi and mindfulness will become better, and we'll slowly but surely gain an understanding of the Dhamma. So when we sit and experience this peace, then our thoughts will be good thoughts. They'll be thoughts of kindness and compassion, wanting to forgive others, and this forgiveness becomes something that's easy. And then, when our minds retract from that state of samadhi, then we take them to contemplate the body and see it as something that is changing and stressful and not self. And if our energy of wisdom is enough, then we'll be able to know the Dhamma and see the Dhamma. But if Our minds, or when the mind is lacking in samadhi, then when it experiences um, a sense impression, then it'll get shaken by that. So, right there, we see the drawbacks and the suffering of not having mindfulness, not having samadhi and wisdom. And even though we're lacking these qualities, We make sure that we control our acts so that they are virtuous. And right here we need to forbear. We need to have this quality of patient endurance, of kanti, restraining our minds, holding them back even though people may say some harsh things to us. So when we're able to do this, then we'll be able to develop quickly. If, however, During the day we just allow our mindfulness to to go all over the place. We don't look after our minds. Then in the evening when we come to meditate, there'll just be all of these sense impressions coming into the mind. All of the things that we've seen and heard and tasted, smelt, touched and thought about throughout the day, all of these memories will just pile up in their hearts. And the time it takes to clear all of those out is a very long time, and we'll see that this is really difficult, it's very uh, painful suffering to do this. So we see that in our minds, when all of these sense impressions come in, they can make the mind very dirty. And when there's a lot of them, then it's hard to clean it and make it pure again. So it's like some clothes that we have. And if they're just just kind of ordinary dirt that we just experience throughout the average day, then it's not hard and it doesn't take a long time to clear that off. But if we get mud all over our clothes, then it's really difficult to clean them. So if we experience um, many, many sense impressions throughout the day and just allow our minds to go off after these, then they make the mind very dirty and it's difficult to clean the mind again. And therefore we need sila there to assist us in making the mind clean and that can do so to one level. But there are also these things which make the mind gloomy and sad, as the proliferations of the mind, the scatteredness, the doubts, the delight that it has in sensory experiences, the aversion, the annoyance, and the sleepiness. And these are the things which bring the mind down and make it gloomy. So therefore we need to bring up samadhi, to bring the mind to a single object and when we can do that then these five hindrances uh, get cleared out from the mind and the mind becomes very at ease it becomes open spacious and this is a temporary experience but it still works to make the mind clean to some degree and we gain this opportunity to make the mind pure So we may study about not attaching to the sensory experiences but when our minds can gain samadhi then all we have to do is tell ourselves that this is not sure, this is something that's inconstant. Why get angry when there isn't a me, there isn't a you? We take one hand and we touch our other hand and feel the bones there underneath. And that other people, they've got bones just like these. They also have blood. They also have skin and lymph. And it's just like me. That they have this, they're inconstant, just like this body. That that's stressful, just like this body. And it's also not self. So in thinking this way, then the heart can become calm and at ease, and so we teach ourselves like this. And with samadhi that's easy, because we see that there isn't a me, there isn't a you. If the mind, this knowing element, has subtle delusion within it, then it will attach. But if there's this subtle wisdom, then we see it's just a mind that the things that arise are just dhammas. Like Venerable Subhata, um, the last arahant, uh, during the time of the Buddha, he had this subtle delusion within his mind, just a little bit, but he also had wisdom. And so he saw a cloud passing over the moon, in front of the moon, and he brought this back within himself and he saw how these sense impressions, they obscure the mind. He able to gain a knowledge from this and awaken, become an arahant. So in the beginning we have the sense of self. There's a me there, but we take this me to be virtuous, to be generous, to meditate, to cultivate samadhi, to have wisdom. But when the mind gains knowledge, and we see that this wisdom is just something natural, it's just that, it's just what it is, it's not me. That there's wisdom in the mind, but it's not me who gains that. It can put down everything. There isn't anything. Until we have the feeling that we don't want to be anything, because the mind doesn't have anything to be. And this is the end. In the beginning, however, we do have a self. There's me, there's you. So we take this me to cultivate goodness, to speak and act and think in ways that are good. And we train the mind like this. We may be monastics or laity, Uh, But if we make the mind in this way, then we're all monks. Because a monk, a bhikkhu, is one who sees the danger in the cycle of saṃsāra. So whenever we're meditating, then we are a monastic, we are a yogi. We're ones who are training in meditation, we're ones who are after peace. Because we see that if we just get delighted in forms and sounds, tastes, uh, odours, tactile sensations, um, that this just wastes our time. We see that none of these things have any substance to them, that they don't bring us to freedom from suffering. So wouldn't it be better then to find something which does have meaning, which does have substance, like Sariputta and Moggallana, Um, that they would go out um, seeking fun, seeking delight and enjoyment. But they did this until eventually they saw that there's no substance to these things, that they just come and then they go. They don't have any real essence to them. So they become fed up with that. They became fed up with the wealth that they had. That It's just that. It's nothing more. Became tired with having a retinue. They saw that none of this could bring them peace. So they went out to search for a path. And they met that path and they saw the Dhamma. He listened to the Dhamma of Venerable Asaji, and Sariputta listened initially and he saw the Dhamma, and then he took that Dhamma and taught it to Moggallana. He taught that all Dhammas have causes which bring them into being, and that the Buddha, he taught those causes, and he also taught the cessation of those Dhammas. So they saw that in the world there's just arising and ceasing. And before they found a teacher, they had a lot of wisdom, they had a lot of samadhi, but they didn't know the path. So for us, if we don't get delighted in sensory experiences, then we have time to practice. And so may you set your hearts on this, both the monastics and the laity and train like this, because it's not gone anywhere. Ajahn Chah said that maga and pala, the paths, the fruition,s they're not out of date, they haven't left us. And when I heard that it went very deeply into my heart, that if we dig into the ground then we need to meet with water, because that's where the water is, it's in the ground. So if we practice without stopping, then we must see the Dhamma. We must must reach this peace and coolness of heart and see the truth. We need to make our samadhi constant and firm. And this can be quite hard to do in the beginning. Uh, But may all of you set your hearts on that.